Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning. We're back, man. Wait, 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 wait. That Austin is back? I'm back. <laughs> back on the pod? Back on the pod after, you know, a nice little vacation. Where were you again? Oh, yeah. Yeah, man, I've been in uh, San San Diego. I went to uh, Mexico for a little bit, and then I was in Bogota, Colombia. See, see, some people pronounce it Bogota, but uh, fancy people, <laughs> fancy people like yourself say Bogota. So I, I get it. Um, well, good to have you back, brother. Thanks, man. Uh, good to be back. Yeah, and we got a, a special peer of ours. Um and excited to have him join us in a in a permanent host faction. And um I'll let him introduce himself, but bring into the table our newest co-host, Bake. Bake, you need to come off mute, buddy. <laughs> Push the Press button, my brother. Oh my in. bad, my bad, my bad. What's up? What's up? What's up? It's your boy. I'm here, ready to talk oh. some hoops, man. Love it, <laughs> it's <love> your it. boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it, it. To be honest, it's been kind of a slow week in in the news world for the NBA. Um, obviously, I did the podcast last week, uh, Dolo, but covered some some pretty good topics. Uh, but before we go into that, Bake, happy to have you. As we, as we continue to grow this thing, um, we're going from AMP to Spotify and hopefully some other platforms and hopefully get to YouTube. So we're going we're gonna to have a three-person a three pod now, which is exciting. Oh, I love it, man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely happy, honored and happy to be here, man. All right. All right, I'm not some mushy shit, man. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> The first first topic, first topic, we kind of touched on this when free agency opened, me and you, Austin, um, but just thought it'd be a good idea to go over some free agency winners and losers as some things have, has transpired. Some deals have signed, people have signed their deals, people haven't signed their deals. So um, just getting our takes on what that looks like. So I guess I'll go first and I'll start with the winners. As I was looking through, I didn't want to say the Lakers. Like, that's that's boring to me. I know I'm a Laker fan. I don't want to say the Lakers. I thought we had a good offseason, um, re-signing some players and getting some free agency uh, guys like Gabe Vincent. But that's boring. Um, so when I was looking at teams, I, I really didn't see a team that stood out to me. Like, it's been, it's been pretty quiet. Like, it's been pretty quiet as far as, like, people making big moves. So my winners for... The offseason has has been all the players who got big money. Fred Van Fleet, Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball, Desmond Bain, uh, Jeremy Grant. Those are the real winners to me. Like generational money that they can pass down to the to their kids and their kids' kids and take care of their families. Like these contracts have never been signed before, so it's historical in that aspect. So my winners for the for free agency of 2023 is all the people who got paid and making this absurd amount of money. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you, man. The players like, you know, Fred Van Vliet, who got the check, Dylan Brooks, uh, Jerry Grant, Jeremy Grant, um, Rich Paul, all the agents. I think those were the big winners. Oh, yeah. 
Um, a couple of teams like stood that stood out for me. I agree with you with the Lakers. I love how they got Rory back, able to get Austin Reeves back, um, able to get you know a couple minor pieces um, to you know strengthen their bench, add to their depth. I like what they did. Um, yeah, they were the big winner for me. I didn't see any teams make too much, too major of a move. I mean, Houston spent a lot of money. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Got some veterans, got some good pieces, but I, I agree with you. There was no like singular winner, singular big blockbuster free agency move that I just fell in love with. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with with you guys. I do think I'm gonna catch some heat from Celtic Nation on this. Uh, I know it'll be boring for you, Rev, but I gotta go with the Lakers, man. Hey, them bringing back. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, man, I know. But them bringing back Rui on a solid deal, granted, hopefully he he continues to play the way he did in the playoffs and not like the regular season. Austin Reeves looks like, I wouldn't say superstar, but, you know, a here and there all-star. Them oh, bringing yeah, back the other players. Yeah, Cam Reddish, if he could be anything like he was projected to be when he first got in the league, that's a plus. Um, and I think it's just good that they have, you know, solid players around LeBron and AD and they get to start the year with this squad because if you've seen them play in the last month or so of the, the NBA, they were really good. And I think that they could they could do something with the full training camp moving forward. Now, just for some context, people, Bake is a, is a Boston Celtics fan. So this is why that is a big deal <laughs> as a Laker fan. And... Uh, you guys talk, started talking about the Lakers, so now I feel like I got free reign to talk about the Lakers. I didn't want to do it, but now I'm going to do it. This team, is, is it reminds me of our 2020 championship team. Yes, it was the bubble. Yes, it was a championship. I don't, I don't, want to, I don't, hear, I don't care what y'all want to say. Um, Austin Reeves should be an all-star within the next two years to me. Um, he's still only 25 years old. While he, yeah, he only's been in the league about two years, but he, and he's on the older side. He's he's improved vastly in his two years, um, becoming a ball handler that LeBron can trust. D'Angelo Russell, although he didn't show up in the Denver series, had a great Memphis series, and was a steady force for us in the second half of the season. Rui is switchable defender on, on uh, defense, whether he can score from two all the way down to five. Um, and really shot the ball well during the playoffs. So it would be interesting if that was like a fluke from three-point range or if he can really shoot like that. So Gabe Vincent coming from Miami, and a lot of people have downplayed that move. And it's funny because I feel like if it wasn't the Lakers, people wouldn't have downplayed that move. They're like, yeah, is he much better than Dennis Schroeder? And like (laughs) Dennis Schroeder was good for us, but he couldn't shoot. That was his biggest flaw, like standing next to LeBron. So if you could have the same defender – Type type defender with some shooting, like that's a big improvement to me next to LeBron. Um, and then with Tayshawn Prince, I'm not Tayshawn Prince, Jesus Christ, Torian Prince, uh, <laughs> being able to shoot ball and defend and give us time. Yeah, Tayshawn Prince, I'm wilding, yo, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we did a good job, man. And um, I, I agree with you guys. We were the, we were the winners. Yeah, yeah. Rob Palenka earned his money. He learned, he earned his keep. Yeah, but honestly, trade. it wasn't a free agency move. It was a trade. But I actually liked KP going to Boston. Although you know they lost Marcus Smart and they lost Grant Williams, I really liked that KP addition. Um, you know, they still have a solid core. You know, veterans. Obviously, you got Jalen Brown, Tatum on the wing. 
um, that, you know, able to keep Brogdon, hopefully he comes back healthy. He's still got Derek White. So I still like, you know, their trajectory. That 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 was a major piece to me to solidify that front line with Robert Williams, Horford, and you got KP. I think that is, uh, that's going to be, you know, tough, tough, tough front line. Thank yeah, you. My, my, bias might be show, my bias might show, man, but, but, but Boston Celtics, man, NBA Finals <laughs> appearance coming up. All right. You could book right. it. You could stamp it, man. But no, for real, the, the KP signing, I, I think it's great. I think for all that Al Horford does, it it it'll be silly to kind of go into this year. I'm not sure of the the exact age, but the 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 willingness to rely on him all the time to knock down big shots. I think that's a lot. So I think having KP and KP is not just a regular shooter. When you have guards like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown driving, having someone that can not only shoot threes, but can shoot threes from maybe like four to five feet behind the three-point line, just having that extra space, I think is a real big thing. And honestly, as a Boston Celtics fan, man, I absolutely adore Marcus Smart. He heartbeat of the organization, but to let Derek White cook and let Malcolm Brogdon step into you know, more of a role like he was in Indiana, I think is a is the better move at this point. I think I'm in agreement with the obviously the the staff at the Boston Celtics that it was just time to shake it up and just trying to see what we could do with the with a different core. Now I do think that since Joe Mazzula came on, it's been more offense than defense. So we'll yeah. see how that goes because Ime Adoka was more so defense and then offense, or just a just a healthy mix of both. So I'm excited to see what the offense looks like, but I think KP is a good sign, and he had basically his best year this year. Some people would say those numbers are inflated because the Wizards were a bad team and whatnot, but I definitely think having a big-time floor space, and he's a real good – he's a – I wouldn't say real good, but he's a, a, a pretty decent defender. He'll help at the rim. Um, you know, Rob is kind of in and out of the lineup due to injury, so to have it would be good to have another, you know, just long, rangy defender at the rim. Well, it, it's two things for me. I uh, I like Porzingis, and I like what he did for the Wizards. Um, he was able to show his his value scoring the ball and have some games where he showed his defensive ability. But as far as Boston goes, like, you're spending a lot of money here. Jalen Brown, you extended him, one. And then, two, Jalen Brown is about to be up for extension. So who's somebody's coming off those books. I know Horford is probably going to come off those books, whether that's letting him fall off or trading him. But then... I feel like they put a Band-Aid on their real problem, which is finding a stabilizing force at the point guard position. And I know they were in the running for Chris Paul, and that, I feel like that was what was supposed to be addressed this offseason, like finding somebody that when it all goes to shit, and it does go to shit sometimes for Boston, that will have that person to calm everybody down. They don't, they, Jason Tatum hasn't proved to be that yet, but maybe they're they're going to have a talk with him this off season and say, "Listen, we don't have that floor general, but you can be our general f- as far as like leading the troops." Because Al Horford can't be that guy. Like he he can't be that guy to be honest. So we'll see. Um, we're going to move past this because we got a lot of more topics. But uh, I do like Boston um, getting Porzingis. I feel like it it does make them um, a threat, a top three f- threat in the in the Eastern Conference still. So interesting to see how that's going to play out. All right, losers. Anybody want to go first? Uh, I can go first. I think my first my first loser is definitely Portland. Mm. 
Um, I say that to say that obviously they didn't make any moves, and I think that's what makes them a loser because it's like right now they're stuck in this place where it's like they, they're okay with moving on with Dame because they got Scoot. But I think it would just be a bad idea to start training camp with Dame. Not that Dame isn't a great player, and obviously it'll help them sell tickets, but it's like what message are you sending to the young guys by bringing Dame back or just not getting this deal done? And then you got to start the season. I'm not saying that Dane would be disgruntled, but he obviously asked for a trade for a reason. So if he's there, what type of attitude is he bringing? Is that the type of attitude? Do you want to bring a disgruntled, you know, superstar guard who's sort of aging? He's in like, what is it, mid-30s, 33? Do you want to bring him to camp with your young core scoop? You got Anthony Simons. You got Shaden Sharp. Um, If I was that... Portland staff, I would just kind of get the deal done. I know they're trying to go back and forth on what they could get, but he's a small young – he's a small guard. He's 33. I don't know if they're going to get back what they think they're going to get back and the fact that they haven't got it done so far. This close to training camp just, just makes them losers for me. Yeah, I, I agree with Big. That was, you know, very questioning. It's just like puzzling where your franchise, what direction are you going? You know, you're just staying at this – in purgatory, essentially – I mean, right. like, with the whole Dame fiasco, you just really don't know. But, um, you know, my, my major loser um, for free agency, I, I was the Toronto Raptors. I mean, you lose Fred Van Vliet, you know, the heart and soul of your team. Um, you didn't bring any really new addition, really. So it was just really puzzling what the direction they're going in. Um, you know, they had a lot of draft you know, assets that they could have moved for some draft capital, whether it be OG and Anobi. Um, some of the young players, um, Scotty Barnes, but you know they really didn't do anything, shake it up, and then they lost Nick Nurse, their head coach. So I was just really puzzled, you know, as far as you know where where they're going, what they're doing right now. Um, that was my major loser. Yeah, Raptors was very puzzling. Signing signing that um, Yaka Proto to that deal triggered in my brain that Fred Van Fleet was going to be resigned because, like, why would you do that if not? <laughs> so uh, I, I was confused by that move, and I and I agree. My I have two losers. Um, one is Portland for all the reasons Big said and and Austin said, but also it's just like too like a year too late. Like it's a year too late yeah. to try to move. Like as soon as he broke the record for uh, all time leading score, he should have been traded. Like there was, <laughs> there was no- let him on high. Exactly. Like, yeah, we did this for you. We let you break the record. Now, like, we got to get some pieces for you. To not even be able to get, well, it's partly because they haven't been able to get a pieces back because of his trade demand. Like, he only wants to go to Miami. So, like, how does that look? They ain't going to take on Ben Simmons. They're not going to facilitate a trade for that. It sounds like they don't want Tyler Hero. So, like, what does a trade look like? Is it, I, I, I don't know. That's the GM job. Like, but my other loser... And this is somebody I this is a player, not a team that I that I like, is Joel Embiid. Mm, wow. Embiid, 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 man. Like let's let's go back a couple years. Like Elton Brand got rid of Jimmy Butler, chose to bias over me. <laughs> he was clearly their leader. He was their heart and soul. He hit like three game winners that whole year. Him and Jimmy Embiid and Jimmy Butler had a good relationship. Got shipped out after the Kawhi buzzer beater. Then Ben Simmons wants to get traded. He gets hurt. He 
in the playoffs, he, he instead of taking the layup, he passes it to Matisse Dybul, and that becomes the whole thing. And then he doesn't get along with Doc Rivers, and he asks for, for out. Then you get Beard, James Harden. You guys seem like you have a good relationship. You know, you get the MVP, and he's hugging all on you. You guys are like a dynamic duo. He's the passer and shooter. You're the roller to the rim, all-time scorer, MVP. And it still doesn't work out. Like, what is it going to take? I feel like he's asking himself this. What What is it going to take for them to have a co- cohesive unit that can build on something uh, yearly, year after year, not having any drama? He's had drama ever since he's came in, in, into the league, pretty much. Like, from the process to his injuries to Jimmy, like I said. So, I feel like he he lost this summer. Um, but by the looks of the white party, it don't look like he feel like he's losing. He looks like he's having a good time. So... Um, what what do you guys thoughts on Joel Embiid? Um, I, I think Joel is you know Joel is just like you know a competitor. So I, I really appreciate his game. I mean, he does so much for Philly. Um, you know, like you said, he's been going through so much adversity since he's got into the league, whether it be the injuries, the process, the difficulties in the playoffs, not to be able to get over that hump to you know get past the Eastern Conference Final, finally getting uh, to get the MVP and to get a running mate in James Harden. So. Um, I, you know, it's, it's difficult too because that organization has had so much change, whether it's bringing in Daryl Morey two years ago, uh, losing uh, Brent Brown and things like that. Um, so it's just difficult, you know, whether to find that continuity. But I, I, I like where they're going. You know, they have a young player in Maxi. I like DeAnthony Melton off the bench as like a, a young, you know, in-between point guard if they can't find that role. Um, I like some of the other pieces that they have, you know, whether it was um, P.J., you know, we'll see how that goes. You know, he's Harden, one of Harden's best friends. So I think they're always, you know, being fluid. And if, if they can't get a long-term piece, I honestly don't think they'll be able to make a serious leap until Tobias is off the books and his contract is off the books. Then they'll have a little bit more wiggle room and decide, you know, what type of wing they want. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, I, I applaud, you know, Joel for, you know, supporting his teammates regardless of their decision. Obviously, if you look in hindsight, you'd have loved to keep Jimmy Butler. Unfortunately, they didn't. Um, but I think they'll be able to make a move in a year or two. Maybe, you know, they can, um, when Tobias has it expiring, maybe I think it's next year, they can be able to move his contract, move his deal. Um, we'll see how the Harden thing shakes out. I think Philly's still the best play for Harden to play alongside Joel in the pick and roll to, you know, let him dive. You get to, you know, to create, you can stagger your minutes. So you stagger their minutes so they can play, you know, on the court together, or off the court together. So we'll see how that plays out. But I, I, I'm just going to root for Joel because he, he takes everything in stride. And I appreciate that about him. Yeah, I agree. I, I, if I'm Philly, I don't. I, I hear what you're saying about the moves they can make a year from now. I think I've seen somewhere else that they would have. I think in like a year, a year or two, they would have two close to two max spots, um, some somewhere around there. But I don't think that. I think that after all that Joel has been through with his teammates, do you really want to keep kicking the can down the line? And being, can you sell Joel on two years from now? I don't know if if I'm Philly, I I, I want to do that. I I think right now, maybe maybe next year if if Harden doesn't stay, I think their best option is to keep Harden because I'm in agreement with you, Austin. That's probably from a fit standpoint, his his best teammate, probably his best teammate. Period, just player wise at all. But from a fit standpoint, just all the things that James Harden does. I mean, he led the league in assists. That should tell you enough about the type of player he can be. Um, so I hope they can keep him. Him, opt, him opting into that thirty-five or thirty-six million dollar contract was weird to me. If you wanted to go somewhere else, he could have just left in free agency. But yeah, I, I hope 
that Philly can sell him on a on a, a one to two year thing down the line. I don't know what his contract is currently, but I know that'd be a tough sell for a player who's been through the Jimmy Butler drama, the the, the Ben Simmons stuff, and now for whatever reason Harden is trying to leave too. I know it's just got to be a tough sell. Well, I understand why why James Harden dropped it in because there was no money for him. Like nobody was going to pay him a long term deal. Right. Nobody, nobody's going to give him thirty five million dollars a year. There was no money for him, so just right. opt in and figure it out. But there is a trade to me that makes sense that nobody wants to talk about, and I don't understand. Like, take Maxie's young ass, take Tobias Harris, and ship their ass to Portland for Dame. <laughs> Like, I mean, are you going to do that just after drafting Scoot? Like, you have Scoot, you have Anthony Simons. Do you really, really want Maxi? Are they that desirable? I think that's the right. problem with the game holdup. Like, you don't really want Tyler Hero because it's like, I have Anthony Simons. I just drafted a young guard. Why am I going to take the ball out of his hands? And then really only thing you're offering me is draft capital, and I have some of that. So I think there's really no desire for Portland to just be well, so eager. Well, you can flip Maxi. You don't have to take him. That is very true. You could Maxi. You could also bring in a third uh, third team. I really like Maxi's potential. The only thing I think teams are scared of Maxi because if he makes an All Star team, then he's Max. He's looking. He's looking at a Max extension. Bro, you know, they, no fame by giving that. Yeah, that's He's a Max player. Bro, it doesn't look like these teams care though. <laughs> like they're paying well, Dylan Brooks twenty million. Two billion dollars been spent this offseason. So if you can get a 20, 22, 23-year-old All-Star and pay him $40 million or however, whatever his max is, I don't think they care. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I think that's the, base, the, the best trade chip they can get, Maxi. Obviously, Philly doesn't want to give him up. Like, it's not, it's, I'm making it seem easier than it is. But I feel like that trade hasn't been talked about. Like, I haven't seen it anywhere, and it's weird to me. But I don't, I don't, think, Philly, I don't think Philly is parting ways with Maxi, especially if they got to give up. Harden, I think they're gonna try to keep Max. That's the thing. They don't in have my to opinion, does, does Dame and Embiid and whoever else they'll be able to keep? Does that, I mean, I guess yeah, it, it would make them a contender. But I would still be trying to keep keep Maxi, being that Dame is going to be thirty four by the end of next season, and you just never know how that contract is really going to look. He still has two hundred million dollars left to be paid to him. That's that's a scary thought. I would I'd be trying to keep Maxi if I can as well. Just because, like I said, Dame is a young, a small, small guard. They 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 tend not to to age out well, especially. I mean, he'll always have a jump shot, but the once the quickness and the explosiveness dies out, then it's like they're gonna wish they still probably still had Maxi. Yeah, and then and then after watching this postseason in the Sixers, I just came to like a realization. Like they took the Celtics to seven, and it's just like you had games where Harden scored forty. You you know you've seen Embiid play at a, a high level. You had your role players and Maxi and Tobias Harris play at a, a, a quality level alongside your superstars. Can you really get over the home? Like I I think they kind of maxed out. Like you got to reach a point of contentiousness. Like you you get to a point in the playoffs where Embiid gets hurt and then you he misses a couple games or you use that as an excuse. I don't think there's that there that they can do much overhaul in that roster. No, I just, probably not. I just, I just think Dame, Beard, and Embiid is a championship trio, mm. and and I would I would I would roll the dice if I can get like some picks back from Portland, uh, just because I'm taking on 
you know, an older player's contract and you're getting a younger player who you can solidify or flip for more assets or, you know, like you said, bring in a third team and make that happen. So I'm just putting it out there. Like, if you didn't have to go through Giannis and the Bucks this year because they got eliminated first round and you can't beat the Celtics, do you really think you deserve to go to the finals? Like, am I going to blow it up and make all these brash moves? If we couldn't even do this last year. Yeah, last year definitely was the last year was that was that was the year. And then so I, I just I just realistically think that you can't just like be dismissive and just sell sell make a hot hot sale when you just really on a competitive level, you just your guys just aren't really there. So you think they need more? I think you just have to look at it. You, I think you got to play it out. With Harden, I'd give it another year, but I, I'm, I'm reluctant to blow it up because it's like m- when my stars are supposed to perform, they really don't. And this is my guy in Embiid. I hated to see it in game seven. He had under, like, what, 20 points. So, I, And then he's always, you know, hurt in the playoffs a later, later portion of the season. So I'm just, I just have to question it. Like, what can I really do? If I'm a GM, what moves can I really make? Because I'm counting on this guy to be here in, you know, May – I, you know, am I really going to risk my job and, and make all these crazy moves or potentially do these things when I have a solid core, something for the future? I have a restricted a restricted free agent coming up in Maxi. I've got Melton. I've got some good players. I got P.J. Tucker. Um, you know, they had a good core. Like, even they, they started losing their rotation in Corksma. So I think they just started, you know, getting away from who, who they were because they got so green-eyed. And I think they can't get overly green-eyed and try to make these crazy trades especially for guys, you know, like you said, later into the, their, you know, of their career in Dane, you know, it, it, who, who knows how it shakes out if he's going to want to stay. Um, so it's, it's just a very, a couple tough questions. Yeah. So if you're Daryl Moore, you're kind of in a, in a lose, lose, because if you try <laughs> exactly. to run it back, you try to run it back. Let's just say, you know, you run it back and they do what they always do, lose second round. And now MB's ready to walk. You're probably looking at losing it if if Embiid, if Embiid for whatever reason requests a trade a year or two from now because the roster around him just wasn't competent enough. You're probably looking at losing your job either way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So exactly. it's like Damn, it's like you got you got a you got an MVP and Joel Embiid. It's like you have to do something to show him like, look, we're we're doing our best. We're trying. But then again, like I said, if doing your best, if you do everything you got to do and it still doesn't work, like Embiid can request a trade anyway. It's a star, it's a stars league, and he'll, you know, he'll want to yeah. move on, and then that's just that. That's it for the Sixers. Yeah, and <laughs> this, this, that's that's a good segue into our next topic. Um, because with name and beard, it got me it got me thinking a little bit about player empowerment. And how, you know, fans and players and everyone's been screaming, player empowerment, player empowerment, players have the power, take the power from the owners. Are we at a place right now where it's becoming, like, almost bad for the game a little bit? Because if you, if, you, if you think about some of the people who are forced trades, and forced, forcing trades has, has not been, it's not a new thing. Like, Kobe for, tried to force a, force a trade. Hakeem Olajuwon tried to force a trade. A lot of people try to try to force trades, so it's not a new thing. It's more about it being public now. All this stuff being public knowledge is in our faces. I mean, you got Beard tweeting, 
it's time to get uncomfortable. Like, what the hell does that mean? Like, we, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was that was cryptic. As hell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, it's in our face now, so it's it's almost like the business is becoming affected in a in a negative per- perception a little bit. Like Kawhi forced a trade, AD forced a trade, KD forced multiple trades, Kyrie, Ben Simmons. Like the list goes on. So, is it is it bad for the game, or is it just because it's more public now? that we're seeing the true way players feel and should they have the right to be like, not have the right, but do you feel like more players, star players should finish out their contracts instead of not trying to jump ship, but ducking the grind, ducking the grind, ducking the grind, forcing the hand. Like what do you guys feel the process? (laughs) Honestly, I think it's, I think it's a case by case scenario. Like if you look at Bradley Beal and what he did to the wizards with the no trade clause and they weren't able to get any real substances assets back. I think that is just like a franchise killer, right? Ultimately they were able to make some moves to get Poole and Kuzma, but you could have just, you know, torn the franchise apart and held them. You know, you have all the leverage. I think in a case where you have like, Kawhi Leonard with the Spurs a few years ago where he just, you know, got just, you know, disgruntled with the franchise and their training staff and didn't want to play. Ultimately, it worked out for Toronto. Um, you know, uh, San Antonio was able to get the Rosen and a couple of picks. So I think it's case by case. I don't love it from a player standpoint because you, you should honor your contract. You're seeing all these guys one year after they sign a deal. Like, look at, you know, Zach Levine and trade talks and all these guys, potential trade talks. Um it's like you know the situation you're in. This team gives you the money, and that's what you want. And then you decide, okay, now I got this this contract. Now I want to get out. And I don't like when they when players use it as just leverage to get a deal, and then they want to open up opportunities because the free agency market wasn't there because they either were a restricted free agent or the money potentially had dried up elsewhere. So I think it's case by case. Yeah, I'm in agreement. Case by case sounds like the best way to think about it. Um, because if you if you start taking the power away from the players, it's like the, they can't take the power away from from the owners. And then you have situations where you have fan favorite players getting traded. Like if owners can still do that, like how they did, how Boston, I know that's my squad, but how they did IT some years back. It's mm. like when you mm. see cases like that, it's like you kind of want players to have power. But then again, you don't want. Like you said, with James Harden, you you go sign this humongous contract, have the fans thinking that you're going to be there and committed, and then a year later you're like, no, nah, I'm good. I want to be out. I, I, I think it's it, it's tough. I think in, in cases like Harden, it's like you kind of want to see him kind of, you know, grind it out, see where it could go. But at the same time, as a fan of a franchise, if a player doesn't want to be there, do do are you are you happy with, the the fifty percent effort that you'll get from him, I don't know. It, it it's a tough it's a tough thing to think about. It's, you don't want to take the power from either side, but if the owners of these teams aren't going to lose any power, then you know more power to the players. I, I feel like this. I don't know. I don't know. And I and maybe this is a next CBA topic, and it is a tough position. I agree. Like, is there a way to limit the amount of <laughs> forced trades you can have like are you allowed two in five years like because somebody like what James Harden has been on three teams in four years or something like that and poor George went from Indiana to OKC OKC to you know, teaming up with Kawhi and Cl- like and they still all happen so fast Russell Westbrook went from Houston to Washington to LA like 
I mean, he didn't force his way to LA. That's that's kind of different. But like, is there a, a rule that can come in place um, where they can limit this stuff happening? And also, players need. I understand they want to sign these long term deals, but some of them, even though you know options are really pretty risky because you can you know get hurt, anything can happen. But some of them need to sign more more player options. Some of them need to sign more player options because you can control that that narrative. You do a three plus one instead of a four year deal. You can opt in. You can become a sign and trade asset. You be, you know you can be all that stuff. So I think there's ways that the players need to think about strategically. I think the NBPA needs to get involved as well because an un- unhappy client and unhappy player is not good for business. And we need to make it easier to kind of look ahead to how these moves can not put put teams in a bind because right now Portland's in a bind. If a player says I only want to go to one team. There's no way a team can recover from that. That player has all the leverage. And I'm all for players have leverage, but you got to have both sides of it, team and and player. It can't just be like, yo, I just want to get traded to Miami, make it happen. Like, that's not fair to me. But but does he have all the leverage, though? Sorry to cut you off, but does he have all the leverage? I think had he not signed the contract, because it's like you don't sign the contract, then it's like you can be like, hey, whatever, if Miami wants to offer me this money, I can go there. He signed the contract. See, this, and this is one of those situations where I'm not against Dame, but I'm also looking at it from a realistic view that you signed the contract. So in, in theory, yeah, he could be like, I want to go here. And, and and then you have the people that are like, you know, Portland owes Dame. It, it, in my eyes, I'm I'm all for you know Portland doing right by Dame, and I and I honestly think they should, mainly because Portland is not a a free agent destination. You don't want players thinking that, oh, I'm not going to Portland because when it's t- when the time is up, they just gonna ship me off to anywhere. So you don't want future players thinking that. But at the same time, he signed a contract, and Portland is under obligation one to their pockets and their fans to get back something worth what they feel Dame is. And if Miami isn't that, and you have this other team where Dame may not possibly want to go, then I don't know. I don't, I don't, I I think you got to sit down, Dame down and and talk to him. But I also think there's other places where he can go and be competitive. I think Dame should have a more open openness to other teams because there's other places where he can go and be competitive that aren't Miami. So you, yeah, you, I, I agree with that. I, I think Dame's situation is interesting because he, you know, he has two years left on his deal. So you know, midway through the season, you know, Portland's going to be like, okay, you know, he has diminishing returns essentially. So the trade, you know, his trade value is only going to increase because you know he's only going to have one year essentially. So it's you know, uh, it'll be easier to move him. But him, him having you know a, the select desire to only go to the Heat, that is what becomes problematic. But you know, the whole whole deal it was just give and take on both sides dane was content with taking the money not not competing like he should be but you know getting the big max contract for a couple years until he decided hey you know at some point i gotta i gotta head out i'm on the second half of this deal now it's it's more feasible for me to move that's when you become more more vocal about wanting to get out and i think that's just what players commonly do once they realize you know okay I, i was restricted or this was the max max money play i'll play here for a couple of years but now it's just like this has reached a point where i need to get out 
I, I want other things. I desire other things. Yeah. So, and and big, I think I think you're thinking logically, but somebody shoves two fifty in your face, you're gonna sign it. Like, <laughs> yeah, everything else goes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, yeah, and then it comes about what 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 you value more is is it is it the money, or is it is it the legacy? Now, for all that Dame has done for Portland, his legacy legacy is solidified. His overall NBA legacy, I'm um, I'm I'm one of those people that are that are that are that are on the the side of like when it's all said and done, do we still talk about Dame? Oh come on, come Dude, on, man! Yeah. Come on, five, ten years from now, I'm not saying that he isn't. I'm not saying that he isn't an all-time great guard. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that at all. Top seventy-five player, bro. Like, yes, we're gonna talk about right. game. But I'm just talking about as far. I'm, but I'm talking about as far as what he wants out of basketball. And I'm not saying rings should be everything, mm. but I think I think I think the point has been passed where he should have been like, all right, do I want to win or do I want to take this back? And I'm all for it him taking the back, I think the number is like close to half a billion that, that Portland has paid him throughout his career. I'm all for him taking the back, but I think it, 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 I don't want to say it's, it's never too late. Cause again, he had probably his best season last year. So I definitely think the talent is still there. It's not too late for him to go somewhere else and still be the first or second option on, on a championship team. I just think that like, if, Portland wants to ship him somewhere where he doesn't want to – he not necessarily doesn't want to be. I don't think people should be like, oh, Portland, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. Like, he was compensated for his time in Portland, whatever. I'm sure he's made them billions yeah. of dollars too, but he was compensated for his time. And I just think that – like I said, I think he should just be more open to where he goes. I don't think – I don't think that he should – because, like I said, the love that he had for Portland and wanting to stay and take the money, it seems like – they had the same love because they paid him the money. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying they didn't have to, but you know what I'm saying? He took that money and now he's in a place where like, oh, I want to go somewhere else. I'm just like, again, like I said, I think oh. he should just be more open to, to to where he goes and maybe not just handicap the, the team that has done a lot for him as well, not just him doing things for Portland. Yeah, I mean, I think a, 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 a scenario which I like kind of look at, mirror was with Russ. You know, he stayed, you know, well past when KD was in OKC. They brought in his friend in Paul George. He left after a year. It didn't really work out, but the franchise was able to accommodate him and move him to Houston. That didn't really, really work out. Then he goes to Washington. Then he goes to Los Angeles. So you see another contemporary um, who, you know, is a high-volume guy, max player, and just see how he's bouncing around and not been able to have the success trying to go to a, another destination. And I think Russ... Uh, uh, Dame looks at it like, why would I want to bounce around and have a trajectory kind of like that when I could just stay here, play it out, you know, take some time off, be with my family, miss a couple games. You know, there's not the pressure to play as much because we're not at a competitive standpoint. And then once my contract gets into the second to last year, then I'll make some noise. Yeah, and just, just to end this, this part of the conversation, like I, I agree with Austin. Like I think he was all good until – they end up drafting Scoot. Like, they had the ample opportunity to make a move right there, and they didn't choose to do it. So that was his, you know, Chuck Deuce's moment. Like, all right, bet. I see what y'all doing. It. And Port- I think Portland made the right decision, ultimately, uh, to draft yeah. Scoot and not move it because I don't think Dame plus another star in that roster would have done anything. So I think they chose the right decision. But that's... that's, 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 that's to be honest, like, 
Portland, like, like, like you said, Big, they're not a free agent destination, really. So the only way for you to attract talent is through the draft. So at some point, you've got to reset and rebuild. Like, you, at one point, you had LaMarcus Aldridge and Damon. That was your one-two piece. You had Brandon Roy before that. The only way you're getting stars is just drafting them, drafting them in. So if you can't get the guys, then, you know, you're, you're kind of like in a, in, a, in a tough situation. Yeah. All right, moving on. That was a good topic. Um, this this topic was really interesting. Came out last week from Andre Drummond. Um, just spitting some real talk to the youth. Because um, nowadays, you know, all these kids just want to be on Baller's Life. They want to be on IG and Twitter, get their highlight. Everybody has a mixtape. And he didn't like when he was coaching the, the, top, the NBA Top 100 camp. And he had this to say. If you can't hear it, let me know. That's that's a real message, because if you if if you remember Andre Drummond, Detroit young player was raw. He was grabbing every rebound. He was playing hard. But as his career got on, you can see the like the wear and tear a little bit. The motor was deteriorating a little bit. He was a little bit pouty, a little bit emotional. And then you see him now signing these three million dollar league minimum. And he's like, man, when he plays like a lot of minutes. He usually gets about 12-plus rebounds. Like, when we got him on the Lakers, I was super excited. I'm like, man, this is what we needed, a lob threat, a rebounder. Uh, not that much, that, that's a good for defender, but a good body, like, to, to put next to, to AD. And that never – and nothing ever happened out of that. And I'm just like – and he eloqu- eloquently put it, like, he had a bad attitude. And for him to have this message for the youth is, is important. Guys like – Bradley Beal do this as well with his with his AAU team and trying to just putting things in perspective. Like this is people. The, the NBA is a job. Like yeah, it's fun when you're you're in your kid. You're playing AU with your friends, but once you get to that level, it's about having max effort and being extremely skilled. And if you're not willing one to put in the work, and two when the lights are on and the game starts to not give maximum effort and do your job on that team, then you're going to go from a hundred million dollar guy to a minimum guy. So. I thought it was important for the youth to hear that. Um, I'm happy that Drummond is using his platform and his voice to, you know, relay the right messaging. And I think he did it the right way. Yeah, I agree. I I think that that his message was definitely important. And it's good to see these guys who who have, you know, in a to put it short, have been humbled by whether it was, you know, shortcomings in their career or whatever, still, you know, preaching the, the, the right message. I think growing up or these kids that grow up in the social media area era, it's just, you know, you want to get views, you want to get likes, you want to be a star. And I think people forget about, you know, your everyday, you know, hard work and things that you got to do to get to that point. 
Uh, like I, I, I tell my son all the time, he's like, oh, man, look at Steph Curry, look at Steph Curry. And all he sees is the highlights, the the, the fame, and he's like, oh, I want to be that. And then I show him videos of, of some of Steph Curry's workouts, and he's like, oh, I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? I think growing up in this social media area, I think kids tend to just want to put on the highlights and think that that they they do they get a nice dunk or they cross somebody up then it's then it's fame and then everything that comes good in basketball is going to come so it's nice to see someone telling them that you know you got to put in the work being a good teammate you know showing love to your teammates even when you're not doing good those type of things are values that most definitely have to be taught to these young kids especially today yeah, no, I, I love seeing those videos and those clips about it because then they, you know, they talk about their personal experiences, how the game has humbled them, the values they've learned from the games and the values you have to apply when you play the game, which, you know, resonate on and off the court. So I, I love hearing those types of stories, um, you know, because like basketball is like a journey, you know what I mean? You're going to have high points, low points, but, you know, your attitude, how you approach the game, your love of the game. I think that's another thing when you talk to these young players, just trying to just making sure you emphasize the love of the game. Because, you know, it's, with anything, it's, there's going to be tough points, going to be high points, low moments where you have to work super hard and, you you know, you're frustrated. So to, you know, hear NBA players express this to, you know, to the youth, I love hearing that. Um, and, I, and I just love emphasizing it to the kids. If you don't have the love for the game, you don't have the right attitude, you know, you'll be humbled quick, you know, and that's just with anything you do. Yeah, and we don't need to deep dive in that. I just want, I thought it was important to talk about just because of the, the state of the game today. Like we all said, like, this, this social media area is so influencing. And to have somebody like Drummond, who's been through it, not shy away from his story, like he could easily just not talk about it or he doesn't have to do this, this culture stuff. Like he doesn't have to, he's rich. Like he, he doesn't have to, 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 to do this for, so for him to, like I said, share his voice is, is extremely important. And I hope more people do it. Like Zion last week, talk about dieting. Like it's extremely important for these players to be vulnerable and um, talk about their shortcomings as well as their, you know, their success. So um I'm happy that he was able to do that and, and that went viral. So that was good. Yeah. Um, I got another clip for you guys. And this one makes me really emotional um, <laughs> because it's about what LeBron said at the ESPYs. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he got me a little bit, but I'll, I'll let him say what he had to say. I don't care how many more points I score or what I can and cannot do on the floor. Real question for me is, can I play without cheating this game? The day I can't give the game everything on the floor, it's the day I'll be done. Lucky for you guys, that day is not today. I'm going to say this. The SAG riders, he hired some of them for that, boy. (laughs) 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 He got some of the picket line. (laughs) He had me choked up. I'm like, yo, what's going on? Like, What's what's about to happen? The delivery was on point. Know what I mean, like I'm like, yo, is he about what is, what's this dude about to do right now? But um, it had me thinking, man. Like, it's been 20, almost 21 years since this guy's been in the NBA, bro. Like, I was a freshman in high school when this guy came into the league in 2003. We all were, and like, it had me thinking if LeBron chose that moment to retire abruptly, how would the landscape of the NBA look? Like. Who would be the face of the league? I can name four or five people probably. Like, I don't think – I don't see anybody that would be, like, 
the face of the league like Kobe was, like LeBron was and is. Like, what? I, mean, I think the obvious answer is Steph Curry, but I think he's always shied away. Mm-hmm. Like, he's liked being exactly. the afterthought. He never really wanted to be, the, even when he was winning MVP, he always would attribute it to team success. To, to, you know, talk about Clay, talk about Draymond, you know, and, and talk about, you know, the unit. So I think Clay is the, uh, I mean, Steph is the obvious answer. Um, but I think he, he would not want to just take it up on the onus up on himself. Honestly, I think where the NBA is right now, you have so many young stars that, you know, you, you, you have a plethora of young players you could step in. But I don't think anybody's the one signature guy to fill that void. Especially because some of the elite players are foreign-born players, so like I would obviously lean towards a Giannis or a Jokic or a Luca, exactly. but you know who really knows? I mean, the game is in a great place, but I think what LeBron does is he puts the emphasis on loving the game, giving back to the game, giving back to your community, um, having that competitive nature every night, and just you know I think that's what would be missing. I don't think we have a true leader of the league. Yeah, I I agree. I also think that despite LeBron's, you know, incredible play over the 20 years, I think he brings as far as somebody who's the face of the league, I bring I think he brings a good amount of like showmanship, just like the interviews and the things yeah. he does, you know, off the court and things like that. I don't know off the top of my head that I could think of another player that brings the off the court notoriety like like LeBron does as well um and I think you yeah you could point at it like a Jokic Jokic or Giannis but again I just don't think they bring what LeBron brings as far as like the interviews and the the other things that come with being someone who's in the spotlight like he is and I don't know if we'll see another player that could come in at what 18 19 and immediately be the face of the NBA. I mean, some people will argue that Kobe was for that first couple of years, but to be in the spotlight like that for 20 years, no big time scandals or anything like that. I think, I don't know if we're going to see anyone from start to finish. Now I'm sure there are people who will come in the league, be good, turn to great. And then, you know, get the notoriety that LeBron has, but from just thinking about who's in the league or who's coming, that could be, start to finish the phenom that LeBron was on and off the court. I, I don't know if we would see that. And I think even for his haters, I think we, we would miss having that, that all around face of the NBA, not just like on court play. Yeah. I, I, and I agree. And with everything you, you said, and I don't think we've ever seen more, a more polarizing figure in the NBA. There's equally amounts of people that hate him that love him. And he knows that. Like, I don't, I can't, I think Kobe had a lot of haters as well as, as people who loved him. But I think LeBron, LeBron has more, like, exponentially more than that. Like, we'll never see someone, like, turn from hero to villain to hero so quick. Like, it, it was crazy to see, like, like, that first year in Miami, he was hated so much. And he even said, like, he played into that role. Then he went back to Cleveland and became the hero. He did it for his city and all that stuff. So it would make me really, I, I, it would make me really sad to see him go. Um, it would have been sad to see him go that way. I think he knows he can't go out that way. Like, I don't think anybody really thought he was going to retire. But just to have that thought, and he was super emotional after his got, he, he got swept against the Nuggets, and he started talking about 
thinking about his the end time for him. So I see him having about four more years. Uh, that'll make him 43. So it's coming up, guys. 43 is wild. It's 43 is wild. Bro. <laughs> 43 sounds wild. 43 but is I, wild. Could you imagine if right? I was 43 and putting up like 23 a game? I'd be like, I don't know. That'd be uh, wild. <laughs> especially for a wing player. Like, you don't see that. It's mostly big guys who stick around that long. So for a wing player to play until 43, other than like, I think Chris Carter was 41 or something like that. But obviously LeBron would still be like playing significant minutes, probably averaging like 18 a game, which would be crazy. So it's coming, man. And it's uh, it's, it's, it's sad to think about. Yeah, it's definitely sad to think about, man. We grew up on LeBron, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, basically, we, we really watched this dude grow up, like get gray hair and all this shit. Like, it's crazy. Um, it's like watching your dog get old. Oh, shit. Damn. <laughs> that just made me really sad, bro. I'm, so, I'm sorry, bro, but you, you just made it so somber. All right. All right, what do we want to talk about next? Do we want to talk about the e- – Do we want to do these and uh, all those layoffs and the media oh shakeup? Oh, my God. That's what I was getting into. Um, you can introduce the topic, King. You got it. Okay, I'll segue into this. So lately we've been seeing, you know, the uh, media landscape has changed so much with uh, all the anchors changing and just the different platforms, you know, um, you know, players and media personalities coming out with their own podcasts and they're on the, or dip, coming to different platforms. So just wanted to gauge, you know, to see what you guys think some of the future trends are. How do you guys feel about the shakeups with ESPN coming, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the staff changes, some of the let go, Shannon Sharp leaving um, uh, with yeah, so uh, leaving Fox too. So just want to get your feedback on that. Man, it's it's so interesting not to only have layoffs, but your A plus talent getting laid off. Like mm. to have Tom McShay, Max Kellerman, Jeff Van Gundy, and Jalen Rose That's not part, Gundy, man. not part of your talent. <laughs> very weird, especially when and this is not a slight. Like I'm, I'm not as trying to slight anyone, but especially when guys like. Kendrick Perkins are still employed. Like that makes me think. Like if you're getting if you're getting away from the true sports brains, like the people who think and and live these sports and who can really dissect and give us different perspectives and not looking to be funny all the time. Like at least at least to believe that you're looking for the people who will boost your your uh credit not credibility your your shit viewership amongst the social media community. You're looking for clicks, you're looking for likes, and you're looking for the people who are, you know, clickbaity. So that's where the integrity of some of this is in question. Like, how, why has, like, Jalen Rose obviously is a, is a great talent, and he can talk the game with anyone. Why was he let go from when you're trying to, one, the NBA deal is coming up, and you want to have great coverage? Like, that doesn't make much sense to me. And then you, you see guys like Pat McAfee wanting to get paid. And then you see the news about Shannon Sharp potentially joining First Take. And you're like, ah, you want to pull your money and go after these big dogs. And you'd rather have one big dog than three, four little fish. So um, it's a business play that I don't really understand. Todd McShay has been with, has been with NFL coverage for like 13 years, like and he's like one of the first people I, I start thinking about when I think about college football. So that, that's a weird move to me. Maybe they're, you know, taking away from the coverage they're going to give to football. So 
I don't know, man. It was weird to me. Yeah, it, it definitely came off weird. I was reading something on AP News. They were talking about it. Jeff Van Gundy, that's that's heartbreaking, man. I feel like they got they got rid of too many people who can who can speak on like the knowledge of the game. But again, I get it. it, it in the social media area, they're probably looking to have people who are going to bring you know views and things like that, which, which will quantify the money in its own way, but. I just think there's there's definitely always going to be that market of fans who watch these sportscasters and analysts for knowledge, you know, for 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 the explanation of the game, the X's and O's. And I think a lot of the people that were left, I'm not saying Perk can't talk X's and O's, but I don't, for as much as Perk has done in the NBA, I don't think people still go to him for his, like, expertise in knowledge. I just think people watch Perk because they like his takes. His takes are funny. You know, so getting rid of somebody <laughs> like like Jeff Van Gundy who who speaks real knowledge, was, wasn't a, a real player, but, you know, knows the game, who coached. And I think he had did like 17 finals. To get rid of people like that was just, yeah, it was a little mind-boggling to me as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think they got some uh, away from some of their better personalities, people who have like good insight and knowledgeable, and they just want the the people who have engagements online, uh, marketability, and things like that. So I I think you know what I'm saying. It's like one of those things where you 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 try to gain the world but you lose your soul type thing. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of good quality people at ESPN who've been doing it for a long time. Like even Susie Colbert for NFL, she's been there for 27 years, and she is like one of the more prominent women in, you know, uh, sports and the NFL especially. So to lose her, I was, you know, surprised. Steve Young, I mean, just some of these big names. But I guess you just, you realize that you can get, you know, some of these newer personalities for a fraction of the price. You bring in these new faces. And then if you want to spend, you're going to spend big on like a Shannon Sharp or something like that. But it, it just sucks um, overall. I mean, I hate to see it. Well, what y'all think about Shannon Sharp on first take, him and, him and Stephen A.? Oh, I would love it. I, I think I think that'd be making for primetime TV. I mean, it's musty TV. Two, you know, knowledgeable sports figures with unique personalities. Really, I love. I would think I would love the way their interactions because the way they present information, their arguments is so eloquently, but their own unique spin on it. And they they have their authorities where people respect their opinion. So I, I would love it. I don't. The question I don't is, is, go ahead. Oh yeah, I'll say I know this is a funny one, but the question is, is Disney being the parent company gonna let my man Sharp bring the yak in the mouth? <laughs> 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 I, I think we'll have to see that. I don't know if he's gonna go for that. I don't yeah, think they're gonna go for that either. <laughs> I don't think they go for that either. I honestly don't don't watch uh first take that often just because like I'm not watching Stephen A. and Mad Dog have a conversation. Like, that's just not my intrigue. Um, also, but I think if Shannon Sharp joined, I, w- I would watch more for sure. I definitely like the way he articulates himself, even though he has that country lisp. Um, and Stephen A. is probably going to be yelling at him the whole time. But uh, I would like to see their banter. Um, I feel like the J.J. Reddick train is getting out of control. People just love J.J. Reddick. Anything J.J. Reddick has to say, people just fall in love with and I want to see Shannon Sharp get some of that love, man. He, he's more seen as, like, the unk. Like, 
it's time for him to, you know, go to ESPN, get that larger audience and really become like a household name when it become, when it comes to this media stuff. His his club Shay Shay on YouTube is doing really, really good. So um, I hope to see him shine like a like I like JJ J. Redick has and with his, with his football, his basketball and overall sports knowledge. So I'm excited to see it. Uh, I think. Well, Stephen A. came out yesterday and said he wants to he wants to have Steve, um Shannon Sharp on the show. Right now, I just saw talks about him being a contributor, not like a permanent role. So we'll see how that shakes up. But two black guys getting it. I I, I love it. Yeah, man. <laughs> I would love to see it. For sure. Uh, all right. Cool. Now, some news came out yesterday that really shocked me. And I don't I don't know if it was just because of the name of the player, but I just didn't, or I, or I just didn't see it coming. Uh, Kemba Walker accepted a deal overseas with AS Monaco from the Pro A Euro League. Uh, they have two other guys that are former NBA players, Mike James and Donatus Montiunis. I don't, I don't know if the shock was just because it's Kemba Walker, but if as I started like really dissecting his career and seeing the, the state of his career right now with you know his injuries and. Where he last last left off in the NBA, it's not that surprising. It's not that surprising. He's a former All Star. He's the Charlotte Hornets All Time Leading Scorer, uh, Hall of Famer, probably not. But um, to see someone of his caliber not be able to probably go out the way that he wanted, but also not having the shame to say like, "Hey, man, I can still play. Like, let me just let me go overseas. Let me let me still play the game of basketball um, while collecting the check." And playing for a top league, he's not. It's not like he's going to like a, a shitty league. So um, it was. It was a little surprising, but um, happy that he's still playing the game, which is what he loves to do. So thoughts? Yeah, there? I mean, I, I was actually I was pretty happy for him because I mean, you know, just the ups and downs he's been through throughout his career. So, but I mean, he's also, you know, I I really liked him coming back home, being able to play, you know, those two seasons with the Knicks. I think he, you know, was able to you know play back home in front of his fans. Still show, uh, still show he still had it. You know, I mean, he had a forty point game, which everybody was enthused about. Um, but you know, some injuries, um, and then just the lack of the free agent market, and to find a good role in the NBA. So I think it just you know is a good move for him because it shows he's still passionate about the game, still wants to play. Monaco's a beautiful city from what I've seen. So you know, you get to you have another experience at another career, a career point in your life. So you know, you usually see the inverse: the guys have to play abroad and then have to come back home. Once, once they are able to, you know, afford it to play in the NBA. But I think this would be good from on a personal level to get, like, a global experience and still continue, you know, your journey in basketball. Yeah, it's always good to see players who may not have had the career in the NBA that they that they wanted to continue to just have the love of the game. Uh, playing overseas, I could tell you just off experience, he's still going to – he's still going to get that competition level – Especially overseas, there's a lot of a lot of pride that players take in 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 those leagues, and I think he'll still get, you know, he'll still get what he wants out of basketball. I think I agree, Austin, to having those two years in New York, even though it probably didn't go the way that he'd want it from like a success standpoint and playing time and the injuries and everything. I think having those two years to play in front of family and friends was good for him, and he may not have had the career that you thought he would have had coming out of UConn. Um, he did pretty good in Charlotte. He was actually never really injured in Charlotte. And then he got to Boston and it kind of went even further downhill. But, I mean, yeah, it, it's still good to just see him that he still has that love and that want to play. Because 
with him and all the money that he's made, not that he's made, you know, buku amounts of money, but he's made enough that he could probably just be like, mm, yeah, I could, I'm going to just chill. But for him to still have the love and the want to go play in a, in a foreign place, and he's still, a, you know, somewhat of an NBA star, so he'll still get, he'll definitely get love overseas and to have that, like you said, that global kind of experience is, is, I definitely think it's a good thing for him. I mean, it's not that long ago that he had 50 points with the Knicks, like, which is crazy. Right. <laughs> How soon we forget? Yo, he just had like 50. And then it was like, that was it. Everybody was like, yeah, Tibbs is holding him back. The Knicks is holding him back. He can he can be the old Kimba. And then it just never happened again. So I don't know what happened there. But um, shout out to Kimba. Um, New York legend, great career, I mean, six-time All-Star, great career, great you know career. Even with UConn, I mean, I, I just I've always been a fan. Loved this game. He's somebody I can see coming back and being a coach or or a front office guy. He has that like he's charisma. He's personable. Um, you know, well liked around the league. So I think when he yeah. when he's ready to stop playing, he'll have a a role within like the Hornets front office or something like that or the Knicks. So. He'll have a he'll have a career after his career. He'll be good. Just oh, always get love for that for that for that step back game winner too. Oh, <laughs> oh, everybody remember that one. Oh, yeah, that ten against Pittsburgh. Yeah, everybody remember that. I mean, That's it was in game. college, but it's still, man. You, you that, that I think it's replayed. It's replayed every time, like the NCAA. Oh yeah, tournament every NCAA tournament, every time you approach it, every year. Yeah, Is that the greatest right. step back of all time. I think so. I have to do my research. Kid from New York in the Garden, right? What was it for the championship, or was it just to win that game? I think that was like the Big East championship or the semifinals, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, that's what it was. I mean, in the Garden, on the level that it was. Oh, he. I got. I got a look. I got a look. I got a look. But I I would say if that—that's the one that I could. That when you think of all-time great step backs. Game winners. That's the one like that, that probably would come Dane. first. That one oh, oh damn! I forgot about Dame. Oh, I Dane's forgot about Dame. Uh, I probably like, think Dame's, but 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 Kemba's was definitely iconic, and it's it's iconic for for what it was, just for the for the college game, and and it's always a big advertising point when they when they like I said when they show those game winners throughout the tournaments, like past game yeah. winners and past highlights oh. that'll always be replayed. Bro. Uh, but, yeah, I'd probably go with James. <laughs> Jim Calhoun was, like, 75, and I've never seen him jump before. <laughs> <laughs> so he, when he hit that jump, <laughs> Calhoun went crazy. But, Dame, damn, yeah. bro, that, whew, that's, that's, that's the top two, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, taking it back to ESPN, some interesting news came out this week as well as from the business side of it. Like, they're looking for strategic partnerships, like, I think Disney has been trying to separate its its entity with ESPN a little bit, sort of how like Hulu is. I think um, with well, here's some backstory. Uh, ESPN is trying to tap into the likes of the NFL and the NBA to have minority ownership of ESPN. ESPN only owns eighty percent of ESPN, so it would be out of that eighty percent. So, I mean. I'm not smart enough to think about what a deal looks like, but I do have some some ideas about how it how it affect um, the landscape. Like for one, how does it affect regional sports networks? Like, are they going to be taken away more now that they have ownership of ESPN? 
are they going to be structuring these regional sports networks like uh, Bally Sports and Fox and all these guys and taking away games from them in the next deal? Um, that's going to hurt these regional sports networks. And I know they're shaking in their boots a little bit about what that looks like. If, say, the NBA does receive ownership, would they collect money earned from other properties like the NFL? That seems weird. Like, if <laughs> if they get profit sharing from NFL viewership, I'm sure there'll be a clause in there somewhere, but that's just where my head goes. Is like, how are the, the distribution of profits is going to be with... You know, the MLB, NHL, whoever is on the, on, the, on the network at a given time. And then ESPN is, is being very smart and being, being very conservative because they don't have as much cash value on hand as an Apple, Google, and Amazon. So they're literally like, hey, we'll sell some shares rather than give you a traditional payment than these other companies would because Apple is on the hunt. Like, once some TV deals is over, Apple has like $3 trillion, bro. Like, they can dish out some money for these deals and not even sweat about it. So rather than having ESPN having to give out these large amounts of money, here's some shares and we can build this together. So those are my three bullet points from when I saw the deal. Uh, that's really inter- interesting takeaways. Um, I think just the, uh, the, the media the landscape has changed with like, you know, whether it be streaming or the way people are watching television. So I think ESPN doesn't want to be as, um, how do I say this? Like, put up as much you know they want the national televised games but they realized you know people aren't watching as much as many sports and there are other ways to get the sport so they don't want to have to play in these big you know big 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 super super contract deals for these uh to tell to get the television rights mm-hmm. um i don't think it'll impact some of these the smaller networks like msg bally sports and things like that because i think they'll get the the um you know, the, the rights to uh, the games. I think it's just a large nationally televised game, obviously the finals and things like that. But I think it also is a conflict of interest because if, if you, if the league is, uh, is part owner of the dist- with the distribution, like where does that come into play? It's, you know, it's just a little difficulty, a little gray area. But I think it's interesting and I think it's also showing um, Disney's, you know, where things are, are, are trending. You know, they don't want to be so heavily invested um, in some of these leagues um, you know, it's hard to financially. It's just hard to, you know, like you said, Apple has so much cash on hand, but even Apple doesn't want to get necessarily into uh, television necessarily. Like they have the Apple plus, but they don't want to get to uh, a network. They want to do like banking. Like if you see you now they're, they're financing people as far as like credit cards and things like that, like that's what they rather do. That's more lucrative as opposed to doing television. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a good take. Um, I, it's just going to be interesting how these conversations continue to play out. What exactly is on the table from a deal standpoint? I, I guarantee some things are not on the table. Um, but if you like, we, we'll see, man. I think there's some conflict of interest here with with the with the with the sports properties. I don't think the NFL is going to want to have NBA profiting off of their um, right their viewership and stuff like that. And with part ownership, can you like divide what you actually own? Are you going to just like, like I said, I'm not smart enough to (laughs) even do a a percentage split, but I even think people are the, the, the the companies are getting smarter. Like you see what Amazon with the NFL Sunday ticket, they realized that dish network, you know, they were losing money overall. What people were only incentivized to get dish network was for the NFL. And they were like, we can outbid you. So we're going to take that. We're going to prioritize that. And the NFL only being, what, 18 weeks, it's, it's easy for them to just, you know, highlight this one 
day of the week and that's all they really want and you know they know that they're going to make the return on that rather than have to make this huge investment like fox or some of these larger networks has to be on the nfl games so i think you just have to look at what works for you from a strategic standpoint and then how you want to you know either do your telecast your broadcast and the rights for it you know um that's why mlb.com a lot of people don't know they made the conversion to the internet platforms globally about 20 years ago and that's how they really were able to stay so lucrative because you think about televising baseball on a national level it's really just not that lucrative you don't really see unless it's saturday weekend you won't see too many games on espn or fox but what they've got to do is put them online because they knew people in uh the caribbean latin america countries and even globally were watching them online and that's where they're able to do so they really dominated that market yeah, maybe the RSNs aren't affected as much because you see teams like the Suns and MSG having their own streaming platform, so they're going to find ways around it. Um, so I think they'll be yeah, open. Yeah. With, uh, you know, uh, the Yankees and, and the Nets, like, they're they're heavily invested in, you know, these local markets, these large major uh, media markets, but they're still going to make the return on it. Yeah. Vic, you got anything? Um, I would say I, I don't have too much knowledge on the topic. I'm kind of reading up on it uh, as we go. Um, I would say that, I mean, times are changing, man. The way people spend and, you know, consume their content is going to change and businesses are going to have to adapt and change to the way that, that the customers are, are going. So we'll just have to see how this goes. I, like I said, business is definitely just going to be different. The businesses are going to try to do things that we've never heard of and try to put place things in places that we might not see all the time with, with certain businesses, especially like entertainment and television companies. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see how, how all this plays out over the years and, and where like the NBA and ESPN, Disney and the type of places they put their money into invest and see how those things go. Word. Well said, brother. Um, all right, so the select team invites are starting to go out. Well, the confirmations are starting to go out. They, I heard they invited like 60 people or something like that for USAB. The team that's going to be practicing against the World Cup team, Anthony Edwards and those guys. And they rattled off a few names, Cade Cunningham, Jalen Williams, not big Jalen, small Jalen, um, Chet Holmgreen, Nas Reed, Peyton Pritchard, uh, Kate Keegan-Murray, Jalen Green, uh, Trey Murphy, Quentin Grimes is the people who have this, who's accepted so far. Um, decent group, decent. But I remember when guys like I remember Kyrie was on the select team. Like, how isn't Mac like Tyrese Maxey immediately on this this team or Jordan Poole or Jabari Smith? Like, I want to see some better guys being on the select team. I don't think this select team is going to give. The FIBA World Cup team, much of a much of a run in practice, like I. But it's good to see those guys get a chance. Um, I think we're, we're going to talk about the FIBA World Cup roster when you know World Cup comes back around. But the roster's cool. I'm not mad at it. It's just a select team. But I, I just remember when guys like Kyrie and people like that were were in the select team and really gave uh, Kobe and James Harden and those guys a run for their money. You also don't want your select team dogging the actual team in practice. That's always and I think, though. But with the roster that it is that that they have for the 
for the FIBA rounds. I think it, it not that the roster isn't pretty good because if you put that team together as like an NBA team, that's a really 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 good team. So I think they'll do good, but I don't I, I don't know. I think that the the talent pool as far as the younger, you know, more star starish players that are willing to play, you know, this far, like, this much basketball and not worried about, like, the NBA career. It's probably not as big as we think it would be. And I also want to know, like, do those players you named, were, were they invited and they just decli- declined? Like a Jordan Poole or someone like that? Were they invited and they were just like, no? Because my thought was maybe a Jordan Poole was invited, but he's like, well, if I'm not going to be on the FIBA team, why come be on the practice team? I'm not sure how that how that process goes, though. Well, usually yeah, when you play on a select team, it's like a it's like a springboard to the World Cup team, unless you're like a star star player. Okay. Obviously, so usually when you're on a select team, they they see that you're committed, they see that you want to be part of the program, and then you move up. But it's a, it's a case by case basis. But I don't think somebody like Jordan Poole should say no to USA team in any fashion. It would be great experience for him. Um, and take and you know have the chance to show what he's like on a team like that and go into the season with some 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 momentum. I don't know if he was invited, but he should have been. Like Tyrese Maxey should have been. Jabari Smith should be. Like all these like there's a couple people that sh- that should have been invited. But um, I like Cade. I like Jalen Williams. I like Shet being on a team. I like King and Murray and Jalen Green being on a team. So I, I like those guys being on a team, and I think they they're gonna have a lot of uh. It's going to be a maturation process for them as well. They're going to see, you know, be around the World Cup guys. They're going to see the commitment that goes into it. And maybe, you know, maybe it'll be a career goal for them in the future in four years or in two years when the, when the Olympics come back around to be on that training, that training team and then go through that process again. So, um, yeah, I'm not mad at the roster, but I just thought some other players and maybe they – I don't think the roster is done yet. Like, maybe they're thinking about it. But, yeah. Yeah, maybe you got some other people coming in. All right, guys. Um, that's all the topics I had. Uh, I had the NBA player podcast topic, but uh, I, I don't really have anything to say about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't really have much to say. Um, but I did want to shout out Sabrina Inescu for that performance she put on in the WNBA All-Star uh, three-point yeah. contest. Jesus Christ, 37 points. She was going yeah, she was going in. <laughs> the most points scored from NBA or WNBA three-point contest, which is, I mean, it's an anomaly to me. So, uh, shout out to her. Um, NBA, the WNBA game is changing so much. I think that it's slowly, slowly getting more recognition. There's still some people out there, if you read the comments in WNBA posts, saying some really crazy things about the WNBA game. The freaking influencer... The other day was sleeping on the bench during the WNBA game and got got banned from all NBA events. Like it's just stupid things like that that knock the game back a little bit because people make a mockery of it. So um, I think it has some progression to do, and I hope that this social media era doesn't like stifle its progression. Yeah, I think they just need to keep having these uh, these moments. I think moments are kind of what made the NBA the brand that is today as far as watchability. Um, like, you know, Sabrina doing her thing. I think the 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 the, the, the uh 
the college girls uh, finals or the, the, the final four was another moment. It wasn't, you know, specifically WNBA, but just it was a good moment for the for the girls game and just, you know, garnishing more views and people are talking about it and getting more excited about what that particular game brings because I've always been a fan of of of, of the women's game. I, I do realize that, you know, they have, you know, money issues. But I think, again, like I said, if they, they keep having these moments that get people talking and get people, you know, just generating some excitement for the game, I think they'll, they'll it'll, it might still might take a little bit, but I think that they'll eventually get, you know, where, where they want to get to from yeah, a viewership yeah. and a financial standpoint. No, those are great points, Vic. I, I definitely agree with you on those moments. Like you, you need the, you need those signature moments. Like you talk about the '80s when you had the bird, bird and magic rivalry. Certain things that catapulted right. the league. And I think the women's game. I mean, you're seeing, you know, whether it be Caitlin Clark, Sabrina Inescu, even now Angel Reese. You're seeing some of these younger, prominent players use that college notoriety, and the league has to, you know, maximize that. I would love to see. You know, the summer is TV's down period. Nobody's at home. Cut out, Austin. All right, we lost Austin. But I think it was, for me, for the WNBA, like, they're getting the deals. Like, they have the Amazon um, the Amazon video deal. They're part of Hulu. You, you can watch. So they're getting the distribution that they need. They just need more good press than than this funny mockery press. Like, I don't, I don't want to see people sleeping at the games. I don't want to see, um, and people want, people want to be entertained, right? Like people acquire, uh, you know, put the NBA and dunking, you know, people say the NBA can jump the highest athleticism is not there for, for the WNBA. So like, how do we get the casual fans to actually appreciate what they're watching? Cause all the basketball players, like true basketball heads, people who have played, appreciate what they're watching they know how hard it is to play the game so how do we get the casual fans to kind of like put that hat on and that that's very hard to tap into yeah i also think it would be not that it's it's the people who do watch the the wnba responsibility but i think uh we'd go a long way by for the for for like yeah to see nba players to see celebrities to see people who genuinely support these women actually go to the games and post about the games and, you know, open up threads and talk, have conversations about the women's game. And I think that that could go a long way to, to kind of helping it. Um, obviously you don't want your influencers or people who have some type of quote unquote influence to be sleeping at the game. Cause again, that just, you know, just, just adds to an already bad rep that a lot of the women's games get as, you know, if you hear uh, somebody who doesn't really watch the game, of course, they'll tell you, oh, it's boring and they don't do anything. Um, but I think people who actually truly love the game of basketball, like you said, I agree. Th- those are the people who, who watch. Who The people who love that good basketball are the people who do watch the WNBA. And I think, in a sense, they do have some responsibility to kind of help, you know, grow. It's just like if your friend comes out with a clothing line, you as someone who supports and wears those clothes – it's not on you, but it would help the brand if you talked about it, if you wore the clothes, if you, you know, went out and kind of did, you know, some free advertising, I guess, if you want to say. Um, and I think it could help 
the, if these NBA players get more involved and and I think it just it's an exciting time to see that the the WNBA game or just women's game period is just getting talked about the way that it does is it's a good moment for them. Yeah, and I think the NBA players have done a good job, man. I don't I don't know what more maybe they need to get creative a little bit. LeBron even um yeah. shouted out AJ Wilson during his SB speech and they implored people to watch the game. Maybe there can be some way that NBA players can get involved in in All-Star weekend because, you know, they're off. Maybe they can be a coach of the, of the team or something like that to get some more, you know, star power and viewership. But they do show out. Kyrie is always at games. DeMar DeRozan, who has a who has two daughters, I think, is always at the game. Anthony Davis would be at right. games with his daughter. So I think they do a good job. But they just need to get more, a little more creative um, about it. Um, a lot of people voice their opinions on Twitter about going to watch games. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, an important few years for WNBA, NBA, especially because they're looking to expand into a different market. So they're going to need that that profitability, especially if they want those chartered flights and easier travel and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, shout out to WNBA. I like the WNBA, especially the playoffs. It'll be getting crazy in the playoffs. Yeah, I just I also think they could benefit from and I'm not sure when it would happen. And I guess it's kind of happening with, with Caitlin Clark. We'll, we'll see what she does as, as her college career comes to an end and she transitions to the WNBA. But I think they could benefit from having those, those, those social media famous players, uh, you know, come into the WNBA and are, and are really good. Not trying to say that they'll probably have someone on like a Zion type of level, but if they have, yeah, these pro- these these girls that are coming up, and I've been on social media watching the, the young girls play. A lot of these girls are good. Some of them are dunking with ease, you know, things yeah. like that. And I think as those players come up and they bring that social media notoriety with them, I think it'll definitely help as well. Yeah, when Andrew Reese gets into the league, Caitlin Clark gets into the league, uh, Paige Bu- right. Buchler gets to the league. Those type of players, it's going to be good for the for the league for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely good. Austin, you lost, we lost you, Austin. <laughs> yeah, man, I was, I was, I was about to drop a gym, bro, and then it just, just dropped me, man. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if y'all want to run it back, I was just saying, man, I, I, I wish the league started a little bit closer towards the uh, women's NCAA tournament, so you get that little um, carryover from the excitement from the women's game, um, mm-hmm. and then maybe you stretch it out, you know, in between, you know, the quarterfinals and semifinals, like you have the, the women's playoff between the quarterfinals and semifinals of the NBA playoffs. So those nights where you, you don't have the NBA game, people still want some excitement, still want to watch sports because summer's TV's down period and people are at the beach and on vacation. People aren't sitting in front of their, their TV watching sports between June and, and September. That's just, you know, the reality of it. So it's hard to market. It's hard to get people to watch you know, um, sports, let alone women's sports in the summertime. So um, I, they definitely have the challenges and the work, you know, cut out for them. But I just think the league is expanding. Um, the marketability of players, you're seeing, you know, a lot more WNBA players in these commercials and content and ads. And I think that's where the support and the allyship has to come from. Like companies like Nike, other sponsorships and other brands, they have to put these players out there so they become household names. So people you know, are galvanized to see them and watch them on different platforms and to watch them play. Right, right. Yeah. If I'm Nike, I'm jumping right on the, the Caitlin Clark bandwagon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Immediately. Oh, yeah. You know Immediately. I'm putting her, put her in commercials. Maybe not give her a shoe, but, you know, 
Give her, no. you know what I'm saying? Because they're, they're allowed with the NIL, they're allowed to, to have those type of deals now in college. So it's best to jump on it now. That way, by the time she gets to the WNBA, she's like, oh, we know her. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? We know them. You know what I'm saying? Things like that. So it's, it, it carries over to the, to the WNBA. Yeah, All right, guys. That was fun conversation. Um, yeah. Bing, how you feel to get your, your first pod under your belt, bro? I feel good, man. You know, I like to talk sports. I'm always, I'm always down to talk sports. <laughs> it, it, it felt good, man. I like, I like this, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the content that we put out. You know, moving forward for sure. Yeah, man. We're excited to have you, man. You stepped in just like a vet, bro. Yeah, none of none yeah. of us are, are vets here, man. We all are trying to learn it together. Just have these simple conversations about the game that we all love. Uh, shout out to Amp who brought this to the table. Um, it'll be on Spotify in a few days um, when I when I upload it. We have some clips. Follow us on um, Instagram, the Beyond the Numbers pod. Follow us. We'll put, put out some content there as well. But, uh, yeah, this was fun. I'm going to go to the zoo, take my son to the zoo, enjoy my Saturday. Um, it's hot as hell outside, so I'm going to be freaking annoyed. So Hydrate. I know, bro. I got to bring a water with me, some Gatorade. But, yeah, that's uh, and a sweat towel. And I don't sweat like that. That's big. Big be having a sweat towel at all times. Bro. <laughs> exactly why I stay in the house. <laughs> hey, but uh, my son tried to get to go out and ball yesterday. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went to the court for like five minutes, and he was like, "Nah, Dad, we need to go in the house." Damn. Break. I remember those days playing in like hundred degree weather at the zoo. My feet burning, bro. Now it's like I'm I'm, I'm in the shade, bro. I'm in the shade. But um, y'all, y'all enjoy y'all Saturday. Thanks, thank everybody for listening. Um, and we'll be back next week. Yep. Back again next week. Thanks for listening. Later, y'all. All right. All right, y'all.